1: ultimately i'm gonna keep saying it get one percent better every day just get a little bit better every day hello there welcome back Stephen holder here with zach kiefer another episode of one percent better and we are 1% closer to the draft with every wiki moment at this point. And I was just telling Kent, our producer, Zach, it feels like we've been talking about the draft for like nine years, but. Uh, <laughs> it always feels like that in early it does. In April. Be- it's, it's a weird thing too, because you talk about it and talk about it at, you know, to no end. And then, there's three days of madness, and then it's over. Obviously, it's not over because it's really just the beginning for those guys who who get drafted. But it is kind of a weird phenomenon. But um, the appetite is there, so we're here. Um, so there's, there's always a lot of stuff to kind of – there's always a lot of scenarios to talk about, right? Um, I think for the Colts, here's something that I wanted to start with, Zach, and – you can give me your thoughts on this. We can both offer our thoughts. There's two spots, I think, on the roster that are in play in that first, second round area for the Colts. There, there could be others, but I think the, the primary two that are top of mind are offensive tackle and defensive end, right? No big secret. Everybody knows that. Um, here's my question. Do we have any thoughts on which is the bigger need? Not to say that that's where the pick is going to be, but I do think it's a part of the conversation. You know, do we have any thoughts on that? And, I mean, I have thoughts, and I don't know if I have a, a firm answer, but what about you? Do you think one yeah, of those I spots is more glaring? You. Okay, go ahead. Shoot.
2: And, I, and I'm tempted, right, because I'm doing my mock draft right now, which we'll post next week, and I'm tempted right. to just be like, I'm overthinking this. To answer your question, yeah, there's, there's a firm answer. The, the left tackle is the bigger need. You've got a starter in Kamoko Toure that can play. You've got Muhammad who can play defensive end. I mean, I I understand that you want to get better at that position, but left tackle you don't have a guy that's going to be a 16 game starter on your roster right now. I think you know Tevi and Davenport are depth signings, right? You Mm -hmm. don't have a guy to replace Anthony Costanzo. And our colleague Bob Kravitz, you know, wrote last week that have the Colts done enough to get better from where they were last year? Like they were good last year. They were 11 and five. And they improved probably at the quarterback position in a couple areas in terms of, you know, Carson Wentz's skill set versus Phillip Rivers. 23 of 25 starters are back. Those two starters are Philip Rivers and Anthony Costanzo. You've replaced one. You haven't replaced the other. And I keep thinking, you know, and I've gone back and, and, and like looked at what Chris Ballard has said before the drafts in past years. Like, he always kind of tips his cap a little bit, right? He always mm-hmm. kind of throws a hint out there. And I actually went back and dug those up. Is it too obvious to you that they go left tackle in the first round? Like it doesn't seem like a Chris Ballard move to just do the obvious thing. Where do you come down on that? But I do think left tackle is the more glaring need of the two.
1: Well, I think to, to your to the question you just posed, you know, do I think it's too obvious? Well, I think we've been down this road before too with him. Um, there there are two sides to this, right? Sometimes he does throw out those breadcrumbs, and and we and it's not obvious, so we don't. We don't pick up on it. And then there are other times, i.e. Quentin Nelson, where the need was pretty clear and the match was pretty clear in terms of who the player would be. And we still overthought it like, oh, that's too easy. (laughs) And we tried to figure out, well, well, they might do something else. That's too easy. Let's not assume that. And, of course, it was the obvious pick, right? Uh, So I don't know. Maybe we're the problem. I don't think he's doing anything that is anything you know mystifying or that he's some kind of genius in terms of the smoke screens or anything i just think we're we always overthink things when it's too when it's too obvious we try to make it more complicated when it's more complicated we try to make it more obvious so i don't know what the hell we're doing i guess is why are we even doing this podcast i have no idea Um, but I, I do think that in this case let's go back to the original question i, I do agree with that i think that the bigger need, if you had to line up a play today, like if today was opening day, which spot would you be more worried about? You'd be worried about offensive tackle, right? I mean, I think that's what this boils down to. Now, it doesn't mean that's the first round pick, but I but I just, as I said earlier, that's a part of the conversation, and then you go from there, right? But but I do think that's the bigger need. And now, the question, though, becomes, how do you, which, which is the tougher need? To fill, and that's a different question, right? Because in this particular draft, I think both spots actually have adequate depth. I actually went and looked at Dane Brugler's uh, his draft guide. You know, who is our draft analyst at the Athletic, and Dane has ten edge rushers with grades that are first or second round grades. That's pretty good. He's got nine offensive tackles with first or second round grades. Also pretty good, so I gotta think. Either way they go, they should have legitimate options for them, and, and so I think I think this draft lines up well with what the Colts need. And, and that's that, a really good
2: point, yeah. right? Like, you know, last year I went back, and Chris Ballard was like, you know what? I love the depth at receiver in this draft. Mm-hmm. And remember all the receivers that went in round one? Yeah. Well, he found a starter in round two in Michael Pittman. It was their first pick. Uh, I'm not saying Pittman's better than some of those guys that went really high, but. The depth of tackle stands out to me in this draft, and I'm not a, a Dane Brugler out there, but I have been reading The Beast, and if you haven't dug into it, it is fantastic. I mean, it is stocked with information on these guys, and and I've been really focusing on these two positions, right? The left tackle and the edge rush, and and I keep going back to Derisaw. Um It just feels like if he's there, he makes a lot of sense, um, and I talked to Dane last week for a story that was posted this morning about just... A couple of the prospects the Colts could be targeting, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what he might see them doing come next Thursday night, next Friday night. Um, a couple of people I talked to in the league don't think Darius is going to be there at 21. That's not a huge... I was
1: about to say that. The, yeah, the it, Mots it, are not are not really suggestive of him being there, but, but go
2: ahead. Yeah. Don't you think he gets pushed up a little bit? And, and heck, going back to like when we talked to Ballard in January, Ballard was like, look, The quarterbacks are going to get pushed up. They always do. Now we're looking at a situation where if Trey Lance goes four, you're going to see four quarterbacks off the board, the first four picks, which has never happened. These guys are not finished products. So it's just fascinating how these positions, the glamour positions, get pushed up. Um, You're going to see the quarterbacks go high, which helps a team like the Colts who are not going to draft a quarterback in round one. Um, My question to you then, I guess, if Derisaw is gone, I heard Washington at 19 was – probably the last you know that's you know the bottom hmm. so let's say he's off the board you have Eichenberg going to them in his second round in the second round at 54 does he last to 54 do the colts see this as a situation where ah, we don't like the the left tackles for round one but we feel there's depth and we can get one at 54 because if you don't get one at 54 then all of a sudden it's a little bit more dicey in terms of finding a guy that can come and plug in and play, which is what we assume they want to do. That's a little bit of uh, more of a risk in my book. So I'll see. But if darisau has gone, Jenkins is an option, although I think he's played a little bit more right tackle than left tackle. You've got Sam Cosme out of Texas, and, and Eichenberg seems like a logical fit. He comes out of a place that's produced one stud after another on the offensive line, including Quentin Wilson. Um, he might be a round two guy, but um, I feel like... And the last thing I, I I'll say to button up this point is, we keep thinking they're going to go left tackle, and I think they will early in in one or two, but they just can't draft a left tackle. They got to draft the right one, and that's a really hard position. And I think as we get into September and October,
1: I think we're all going to realize
2: something, and that's how good Anthony Costanzo was.
1: <laughs> that's really the takeaway for me. <laughs> You're not kidding. I mean, look, you you make a good point. I think that. If they don't go with the left tackle in round one, which I'm fine with, like, I mean, I, I think the board will determine this, right? Ultimately. And, and we, they're not going to let us see the board so we can only speculate, but, but their draft board will largely determine this. So if those top tackles are gone, then, you know, maybe you're moving into that second group and, and is, number 21 too early, right? I don't know. Is Jenkins a top tier guy? Is he a second tier guy? I don't know. Chris Burke, who is one of our NFL writers, he has a mock out today and he has Jenkins to the Colts at 21. I mean, very plausible scenario. Uh Those other tackles were off the board before number 21. So that's kind of what was left. The The, the problem is if you, not even a problem, they're just the, the reality is it is a long wait if you if you don't get your tackle at number 21, it's a long wait to the second round where the Colts are picking. And there's going to be a lot of nervous moments because I think you're right. I think Eichenberg is kind of that last guy in that second round tier, um, depending on – I'm going by Dane's rankings, but yeah. but whatever. I mean, if you use whoever you want. Um, he's at the bottom of that second round tier. You get past that and you have to ask yourself if you're getting value at that at that part of the draft. And and that is just a really dicey situation. Um, it's like you said earlier. I mean, you have some guys who can play defensive end for you right now. The, the the question though is, so so in terms of the need, we know, right? We know what's the bigger need and what's the harder one. Or in terms of what's on their roster, we know what's the bigger need. The problem though is, are you able to? Are you able to uh, fill that need with a value pick at number twenty one? Or are you going to be overdrafting a guy, you know? And so I don't know. That's where the need and need and value converge, and you've got to make some tough decisions there, you know. I mean, if you're Chris Ballard, do you overdraft a guy a little bit just because it's such an overwhelming need? It's not a Chris Ballard style decision, right? But this is not a this is a kind of a unique situation too. So I, I don't know. It's it's tough. Uh, I I would say also that the, the edge rushers in this draft. I mean, I like some of these guys, right? I mean, I think. Um, you know, I've been on record. I like Phillips. The, the medical questions are big, right? I mean, there's Phillips is interesting. Are. I mean, this guy
2: retired from football I know, before he I know. moved to Miami, and and I wonder. How, you know, so I was thinking about this today, and I wonder how the Brian Decker conversation goes with a guy who literally was done with football at one oh, point that's and gonna came be very back. I mean, isn't that? But man, the, the tape.
1: You know, he he can play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he if he was if he didn't have the medical questions, he's a first round. I mean, I'm sorry, he's a a top. I think it pick. might come to it literally just
2: might come down to whether the medical staff approves them. You yeah. know,
1: I, I feel like that's
2: the team that's going to
1: roll the dice. This is totally unrelated. Not totally somewhat unrelated, but, and I wasn't going to make this a conversation about Phillips, but since we're on it, this is kind of interesting. So I'm going back and looking at trade down scenarios and the Colts have traded down a bunch. So I got a whole bunch of scenario, a whole bunch of uh, past examples I'm looking at. I'll, you'll see that story here the next day or so, but among the things that I recalled in doing this, I think this was the uh, 2019 draft, I want to say. Uh, You remember the Colts had the 26th pick. They traded down with Washington. Who did Washington pick? They took Montez Sweat. Now, what you might remember about Sweat is there was this conversation about him. And it was a medical conversation. And the conversation was he had this heart condition that. A lot of people were scared of, you know, and I think there were teams that literally took him off their board and it occurred to me and I remember this conversation. You might as well. The Colts, they didn't go there. They they didn't want to. Select him, and they were very concerned about the medical stuff on correct on uh, on sweat. Now, very very different kind of medical condition, right? I mean, we're talking here. We're talking about a, a concussion history. Uh, the guys had some wrist injuries as well, but I don't think that's the issue. It's really the concussion history. Uh, but with sweat, you know, it's also sort of a you know, it's not a, it's not a knee. It's also a, a sort of a vague thing. You know, a heart condition uh, could this develop into a serious issue down the line could he have you know sort of a uh an abrupt situation where you know something something you know terrible happens i mean i don't know these were the conversations right well anyway my point is the colts basically said no they weren't they certainly in the first round they were not going to take him maybe had they gotten to a later round that might have been a conversation but they they were a no on the medical so does that does that tell us anything about jalen phillips and that medical decision not necessarily, but I just think it's important to note it. And I think everybody should at least keep that in the back of their heads. Uh, just because Phillips has been linked to the Colts a lot. I think it's a, an important or, or worthy mention. Um, the other thing on the, the edge rushers in this draft, uh, there there don't seem to be any top 10 guys. And I think I might have mentioned this before. I don't think there's been a draft. I think it's 2012 might be the last time there was not an edge rusher in the top 10. So it's kind of interesting. And I don't know if that is a good or a bad thing. It just it's just interesting. There's not that premium guy in this class of edge rushers. So where they go is very hard to predict. So so that's why I'm interested to see what the decision is. Because what if a couple of the premium guys are left at twenty one and and the offensive tackles maybe have had a run at that point? Which which could totally happen. That's exactly and, and, what I think is gonna happen,
2: right? And this so, is a really interesting thing. Of a conversation that I had with Brugler was was Dane was like, look, let's think about how Chris Ballard thinks, right? What does Chris always always focus on? No matter what the position, at this level, he wants guys with traits. He said it Mm -hmm. the day he drafted Millie Cooker. He's like, he's got traits. He said it about every pick since. And so, it's an interesting dilemma when it comes to pass rush because some of these guys don't have the production, like Jason Oway from Penn State. Zero sacks this year. Now it was a weird college football season. I think they only played seven games. Penn State was, you know, they didn't even beat Indiana for God's sake. Yeah, but, but that was still weird to me. Though, come on, yeah, <laughs> zero sacks. But the but the traits, the physical, like, he looks like an NFL edge rusher, right? So, you know, quitty Pay had a little bit more production at Michigan, and then the top guy is Ojalari out of Georgia. But again, not a top ten guy overall, but the top edge rush guy. And so, it's fascinating because. You know, in this league, I always go back to like there's three positions you gotta have. You gotta have the guy who throws the ball, the guy who protects the guy who throws the ball, and you gotta have a guy who can go get the guy who throws the ball <laughs> on the other side. It's almost like the quarterback's important. Yeah. The Colts have one of the three right now. And and otherwise, <laughs> like find a hole in this roster. There isn't one. But those are two big spots. And so like you need to go find that guy. And you wrote this in your mock a couple of weeks ago. Like they have not done well at finding edge rushers. So You know, Dane was like, do they change their their theory? Do they go less traits and more production in college Mm. and and go find a guy that's a little bit more of a complete project? Or do they kind of continue to roll the dice? I feel like Kamoko Toure was a traits guy, right? A couple injury-plagued years at Rutgers. Really, like, didn't even play a whole lot. Um, But look at him. I mean, he, he looks like an edge rusher in the NFL. And he's definitely flashed in the league and has been very productive for very small snippets of time. But the injuries have held him back. Ben Bandigo, they loved his traits. I, I don't see it. I feel like a guy with two positions doesn't have one position. But this isn't a conversation on those guys. Um, I just think it's a different conversation. And and to have the Colts, with the lack of success they've had at the position, change their thoughts into terms of what they're looking for in the draft. Because – They're going to have some options at pass rush. I'm not sure if they have the options they like at at offensive tackle. They will have options at pass rush. What are they looking for? Um, Phillips, Owe, Quidipe, Ojolari. One of those guys is going to be on the board for sure. Do they roll the dice on traits? Do they go production? This is going to be a fascinating conversation. And I know these scouts, I talked to Dereese last week. Um, and that guy, I think the meetings start at 8 a.m., and they don't leave the offense until about 7.30 p.m., so it's 12-hour days right now for the scouts. He had to go in and meet with Ballard afterward to talk about a player, so, I mean, it's really under-the-gun time for these guys, and they've had some really interesting conversations of late. It's going to be fascinating to see how the board falls and what they actually see from what we see right now. Looking for an
0: assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: All we can do is talk about scenarios, right? Because that's where we are. And I think you hit on something there. I know we're all over the place here, but that's okay. I mean, we're just talking this through. Uh, You hit on something there that I want to dig into a little bit, and it's... You talked about Teray and Bannegu and and, and Lewis. I guess to some extent is is a part of this as well. Uh, that's a lot. Of, first of all, a lot of draft capital. Okay, yes, a ton, a ton of draft capital in there. Those guys are all second round picks. They traded up for a couple of them, so there's tons of draft capital invested there. And I'm not suggesting that that should guide your decision. Well, we, you know. It's like if you're furnishing your house, you can't spend all the money in the living room, right? But <laughs> if Chris but, Ballard could, he'd probably spend all of it on the offensive and defensive lines. So the kitchen, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But, uh, but but yeah. But my point is this, though. It's a, it's a very bad way of what I'm trying to say. Is do they? And I wonder this. I'm I'm wondering out loud. How much will their past investment influence what they do now? Because. As much as the fan watches these guys and says, I don't like what they got there, there is another side to that coin, which is this. Number number one, there's a couple things. Number one, they haven't really had enough time to be completely on, or enough playing time, I guess, right? I mean, what do I know about Ben Banigou? Not a damn thing. Okay, let's just be honest. Now, he hasn't flashed enough, not at all. But I don't really know anything about that guy. Uh, Clearly, Justin Houston and... Danico Atri played a majority of the snaps. We, we don't know anything about those guys, or at least about Banning. Uh, excuse me. Um, in Ture's case, I think we know a lot. I just think we need to see more because he has been injured a lot. So even though we've seen, we have a bigger sample size, we still haven't seen him at 100% nearly enough to really know what they have there. And then Ty Kwon has just been bouncing all over the place and filling in here, filling in there. He's been up, he's been down. Um, I don't know, you know. It just depends on the day of the week sometimes with him. But if they could ever get those guys to all be running hot at the same time, they might have something. <laughs> but oh, yeah. is Mike but good gosh. enough? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not suggesting they don't draft an edge rusher. All I'm saying is, if you're Chris Ballard, I'm just telling you, you know, he's Mr. Hey, you got to give these guys two or three years. So... That's his words, not mine. You know. So what? What do you make of any of that? But
2: my my thought is is kind of what you talked about a little bit. Is like they always talk about going back and self scouting. So the scouts are going to self scout, right? Ballard's going to mm-hmm. look back and see. Well, I drafted Quincy Wilson based on traits in 2017. He looks like an NFL corner, and it didn't work out at all. And I drafted mm-hmm. Zach Banner a couple of rounds later. He looks like an, and maybe Zach Banner becomes a great player <laughs> for the Steelers. Probably right. did not like that. Although big, the traits
1: activity. on that guy, yeah, I don't know. But, but go ahead. Yeah. I, get, I get what you're saying. I, it was something off
2: Topic. But, and yeah. I
1: wonder if they're
2: going to change the way they evaluate and look at these things. Because this is the position they haven't been able to figure out. Mm-hmm. And they went out and they didn't spend a lot of money in free agency, which we expected. And we know why. I mean, they're, they're not going to find free near Mathis on the street. They're just not going to be free agents. You've got to find them in the draft. How do you find them in the draft? They haven't been able to do that so far. So that's the interesting dilemma here. And then, and secondly, it's, you know, it's Ballard wants these guys to develop and to have time and in two to three years, but it's also like, dude, if you could get to the pass, if you could get to the quarterback, you'd be, you would have been in the second round of the playoffs last year. I guarantee you, they would have beat the bills. And I know that's a big, you know, I'm not breaking news here, but like, they were like three plays away from, from beating the bills. And if they would have got to Josh Allen, just a couple more times, I remember Muhammad had a great play. I really believe they would have played in the divisional round of the playoffs And if you would hit on a guy like Banigou, maybe he makes that play. And maybe you're not looking for a pass rusher again for the third straight year. I mean, this is the situation they're in. So, um, you know, Ballard always talks about he wants his defensive line to come in waves, right? To come down after down and to make life miserable for the quarterback. They did that at times last year. Do you remember early on when that defense was rolling? The key was Buckner and Grover up front. And then Houston would have some really great days. Then he would disappear for two weeks. Muhammad would come in, and I think you made a really good point after Autry signed with the Titans. That's a guy you don't appreciate until he's gone because he just did a lot of quiet stuff and a lot of good run stops, and, and, and it wasn't a drop-off from, from Justin Houston on the other side. And So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But when you look at this roster, you can say they've gotten better or they haven't gone backwards in a lot of different areas. The one area they've gotten worse at is pass rush. That's yeah, that's obvious. They need to address that. The question is, how many swings are they going to take
1: until they get this right? That's exactly what I'm saying. And, and I think I, I I am not suggesting to any listener out there that that Chris Ballard is around here saying that you know Ben Banneke the next Lawrence Taylor. Like, he, no, he's not. He's not saying that. I've had a couple of recent conversations that I mean, they're kind of they were kind of off the record. But but I will tell you, my takeaway was that. He gets it. Like he knows. He he understands, right? I mean he's he watches he was he always say to us, Zach, right? I watch yeah. the same games you watch, right? So yep. he's never made any pretenses about that. And I and I don't think and, and he's I give him credit, like he is not above being very, very critical of himself. Okay. If he screws up, he'll tell you he screwed up. And if he if he
2: doesn't like a pick and the guy doesn't play well, he'll cut him. Yeah. And and that's you know they hung on to Bjorn Werner for years and, and it was obvious and and right. the Colts cut Terrell Basham a year and a half in because he couldn't play and so you know if if he makes a mistake he's got to live with it and he always says the best player is going to play um, but this is again you know that was going back to seventeen the first draft he had here
1: yeah so I, and I think you know the fact that that they still do feel invested in these guys tells you something you know that that. They do think there's something there. And and I think they're right. I mean, I don't Bandigo is still I need to see more. I don't, I don't know, I don't have anything to judge by, honestly. But but Terray, yeah, I mean that guy, this could be the year, right? It could be. There's no question. That is definitely possible. I would like to see him out there, you know, getting 40 or 50 snaps, and then we'll see what happens, right? I mean, if, if that's what the situation calls for. Uh Tyquan Lewis, if you give him enough snaps, I mean, can he make a bunch of plays? Yeah, I think he can. Um, And if he finds a home, like what if he is the Danica Autry replacement, right? What if he's your left defensive end? Can he make that a home and and become consistently productive there? I could see a scenario. I could paint you a scenario where that happens. But I just don't know if they have seen enough between all of those guys to just rest on their laurels. And that's... The problem, you know, it, it's kind of a a damn if you do, damage, if you don't, because they need to see more, they need to play, but at the same time, these guys are trying to win, and they got a chance to do something, and they're not just going to say, ah, let's just see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, You don't they have can't that to do That, yeah. So I don't know. I don't have any answers. I'm just saying, you know, some days it sucks to be Chris Ballard. <laughs> so that's all I can say. Uh, what? Let's, let let me ask you this. Yeah,
2: I was going through the the positions today. There's only like two or three I can't see them drafting in the first round. What's your list?
1: Two or three. Because all we, we talk about is edge rush. The,
2: yeah. yeah, we always talk about edge rush and left tackle. We think they're going to go that way. It wouldn't surprise me if they went a different direction. Mm-hmm. They're not going to draft a quarterback or a center in the first round or a specialist. But, I mean, is every other position on the table if that guy is ahead of everyone else in their rankings?
1: I actually love this question, and I'll tell you why. Because this is very relevant. Because – we have only concentrated... Well, we mostly concentrated on these two spots. And that, I think, is is, is not a good thing. We should, right. we should think more globally. Because go back to 2017, right? What happened? You had a scenario in that draft where a lot of the guys they wanted... Well, not even guys they wanted. A lot of the guys went as they were supposed to. But then Malik Hooker just kept falling and falling. And I still think the Malik Hooker pick made a lot of sense. Like... I not I still don't hate that pick at the time. No, no, I don't hate. No, not at, at all. the time I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute, a safety." But then I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute," <laughs> you know. Uh, so, look, they were calling this guy the next Ed Reed. Look, I know it sounds ridiculous in hindsight, but Chuck Pagano was, was calling him the next Ed Reed. Yeah, that was probably not probably not fair. <laughs> but but at the same time, I think they did the right thing. They took the guy who was by far the highest guy on their board. So my point to you is. And the injuries got him. Let's just be honest. I mean, if Malik Hooker has been healthy the past four years, it's a different conversation. I'm not saying they resign him. I don't know. But it would be a different conversation. I think we can all admit that, right? Yeah. Um, so, so my point is, great question. Because we're sitting here acting like there's no other scenario that's even on the table, which is not true. <laughs> okay? What if a corner falls? What if... Um, a defensive tackle. I don't know who that would even be, but I mean, just you know, what if? What if twenty-one number twenty-one is a spot where a guy could fall and suddenly be there, and you have to make a decision, you know, on a highly rated guy. He might be the top guy on your board. What if he's a linebacker? Probably not, though, right? So I, yeah, to answer your question, though, the positions I say probably are a no-go. Linebacker, um, definitely running back. And I would say, I don't know, that may be it. <laughs> I, I'm uh, never
2: ever gonna rule out O line or D line, Yeah, right? Sure. know your audience, right? No Chris right. Ballard. Um, they're not taking a quarterback. I wouldn't rule out wide receiver. I wouldn't rule out tight end, but I would because there's there's no one in this class
1: that there won't be there. one worthy of the 21st yeah. It, it's
2: pick. Kyle Pitts, and and, and I want to get into tight ends in a second because Dane made an interesting point. Mm-hmm. Um, after Kyle Pitts, there's a huge gap, so I don't think you draft one in, in the first round. But then, any level of the defense, it wouldn't stun me. Linebacker would surprise me. I don't think they'd go there, but maybe. Um, and then the back end corner and safety, it, it could happen, especially corner. Um, but an interesting thing to remember is they don't have a third-round pick because of the Wentz Mm -hmm. trade, and they're not going to have a first-round pick next year. Very likely, right, if Wentz plays 70% of the snaps, et cetera. So that's in their thinking right now, and Dane made a really good point. Scouting has been so difficult this year with the weird college football season, the lack of pro days, the no combine situation, right? So Brugler's like, listen— if they don't like their odds at, you know, at 21, why wouldn't they just add, you know, trade back and add another second for next year or add a third for this year or next year? Totally. Dane put it this way. He said, if you move back, you're going to take a, a, a swing with a better chance to hit on, right? Because you're going to have a better chance to scout these guys more detailed next year. And I'm thinking to myself, am I talking to Dane Brugler or am I talking to Chris Ballard? I mean, Chris <laughs> always talks about swings, and yep. you're going to take seven swings in a draft, and you're going to hit on three or four of them. Um, why not take the swings with a with more percentage chance? The, the, the drawback is, and I keep going back to this, the Colts have not made a first-round pick since Quentin Nelson in 18. And, and I get the whole team-building approach through the draft. And, and look, Chris has made a million second-round picks. I wrote them down. There's like, there's like 11 second-round picks he's made just in 17, and he hit on seven of them. So that's really how they built most of this team is like mid-round picks. Yeah. But you need those top-end elite guys. And and you got one in Buckner, you got one in Quentin, and, and you got one in Wentz in a certain couple ways. And But I feel like there's only so many years you can go without drafting a first-round pick. And if you hit on a first-round pick, that's a starter for six, seven years. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of conflicted. I'm not sure if I'm making a relevant point. but No, I get it. And, you, in fact, it wouldn't surprise me if they move back and add a second or third rounder for next year.
1: Well, no, I I think it's totally possible. And, and with Chris Ballard, it's always on the table. But I think you make a good point because look at this. I mean, you talked about them not having had a first round pick the last couple of years. Well, look at, although they haven't had one, their best players are, are some of the best players they've drafted. There's no question. They have been their earlier picks. I mean, look, Quentin Nelson, I mean, number six overall, right? I mean, you, you hit on that. Even the, even the second-round picks that have panned out, in some cases, those guys have been really early second-round picks. Braden Smith, yeah. I think, was 30. So I've got the fifth. list right here. This this is
2: the second-round picks under Chris Bauer. This is incredible. Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Rocky Hsien, Ben Bandigo, Paris Campbell, Darius, Braden Smith, Toure, Lewis, and Quincy. So Quincy was a boss. Lewis and Toure, we'll see. I mean, you got two studs and Braden Smith and Darius Leonard. Campbell, we'll see. Um, but then last year, I mean, that was huge. You trade back, you get Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor in the same round. Those guys are going to be
1: around for a while. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's still a pretty – that's a really good haul. I mean, all told. I mean, just look at – from a talent perspective, look at the kind of talent they got there. Now, some of those guys, the production is different than the talent, right? I mean, we'll see. But there's no question. I mean, Paris Campbell – Anybody who who questions why they drafted that guy, I mean, come on, give me a break. Like right. we get it, we we get it. Now the injuries are the injuries, but no one questions what they saw. Um, Darius Leonard, come on. <laughs> Basically, I mean, they they probably would have taken him in the first round if if they had the chance, you know, had they had the pick. Um, and I mean, even a guy like Rakia Sin, people can. Can sort of, you know, scoff at. When this guy has started, like, what's he started? Like 30 games or something? Oh, you know? so,
2: except for the, the, the mysterious illness that he had this that's year. That's right. Yeah, he's right. been a starter so, since day one. He's got to prove it this year, though. Yeah, he, we'll he's see. got a
1: competition. We'll get in the corner here in a second. But but I mean, my point is, I mean, that's, you're talking the second round. I mean, oh, there are second rounds second round picks can be bust. Okay, that happens all the time. So yeah, to get I mean, that kind of haul from the second round, that is definitely T. strategic. Green. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my god! I wrote god. down all. I wrote down all the second round picks for ten years.
2: Oh my and god! And I just can't believe TJ Green was a second round pick. But that's a discussion for a different day.
1: Oh yes. And then today is not that day. I don't have it in me. I don't know when that day is going to come. <laughs> Let's not. Um, you mentioned tight end, and I'm changing gears abruptly there. But what what yeah. did Dane have to say about that? Because I actually think. This is complicated, because you mentioned earlier they don't have that third-round pick. I think they have a huge need there, honestly. Yeah. Jack Doyle, here's a little nugget for you. I mean, Jack Doyle, don't write, don't dismiss the idea that this could be his last year. Uh, I've actually heard that, so I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, And and, I mean, look, it's not not earth-shattering, right? I mean, he's 31, or he's about to be 31, and, you know, he's Health has kind of gotten a little more complicated for him lately. So he's still been fine. I'm not suggesting that he's not a good player. But, yeah, I mean, look, you know what it is. I mean, you're 31 years old. You're in that the ballpark. So my point is, I think it's a huge need given who the coach is. And given how he uses tight ends, Frank Reich. I'm glad you mentioned that. Jack Doyle's going to be 42 years old on his
2: seventh contract with the Colts, catching three (laughs) touchdowns a year. I'm going to have egg all over my face. And he's going to be (laughs) catching eight-yard passes over the middle on third and seven until I have gray hair all over myself. (laughs) They're going to put a – no. You hit on a really good point. So you got to think about who's driving the train, right? Ballard does the defense. Ballard does the offense too, but – Frank Reich has a huge say in this, right? Mm-hmm. And that say has only increased over the last couple of years. We know he was really big on Naheem Hines when they drafted him. We know he was big on Rivers and Wentz. He made the push for the quarterback. And we know he's obsessed with what position on offense, tight end, right? Frank was talking about the tight end spot this year with us in the middle of the season. And he's like, guys, I could talk about this forever. And we're like, we know, we can tell, Frank. Like, we were just asking about Moelle Cox. Um, so they've got <laughs> exactly. they've got Jack Doyle and, and very likely Moelle Cox coming back. They don't have that dynamic Eric Ebron-type athletic tight end. And there's one guy that's like that, and I kind of wish the Colts would just draft up and take him because it would be really fun. But they're not going to draft Kyle Pitts because they're not going to trade up. But um, <laughs> that would be awesome to watch in this offense. Um Dane said this, he's like, Look, like, you've got a lot of guys that, that are gonna be third and fourth round grades that, you know, how long do you wait? And and does that right. mean that guy can't really step in and play right away? So they didn't spend the money in free agency. The Patriots locked up the top two tight ends on the open market and paid him a ton. You know, what do the Colts do? They've never drafted a tight end under Chris Ballard. Part of that is the fact that they've had Jack Doyle be such a steady contributor over the years. They've had Moelli Cox climb from basically like a guy who couldn't even figure out how to put his chin strap on to a very steady blocker and a threat in the passing game. Maybe we'll see more this year. Um, but I think they need to get a tight end somehow. They need to get a tight end in the pipeline who can make some guys miss, and that almost fits the receiver mold. And I know Frank's going to drive the train on that. So whenever they do that, um, it's going to be a guy Frank okayed. Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame could be an option. Brevin Jordan from Miami is another one. Um, and I think maybe third or fourth round, but then again, the Colts don't have a third round pick, so right. it's just going to have to come down to whether those guys are still on the board. And and I always kind of lean towards the Notre Dame guy because you know Frank and Chris both went up to the pro day up there in South Bend. Um, Notre Dame produces a ton of pro ready guys, not just on the offensive line, but um, Tommy Tremble might be that guy. He might be able to fit in Indianapolis, but at, at some point.
1: Ballard's going to have to appease his head coach and get him a young tight end. I think the one saving grace at tight end for the Colts in their situation is this. A lot of these college tight ends, what's generally lacking from them, or what's more lacking, I think tends to be the blocking aspect, right? And that's okay, though, in some respects, because what do they have? They have two guys who are very, very reliable blockers. Now, you got to be a guy. They they have to have a guy who can at least fake it, because you can't come in the game and and just be a complete giveaway to the defense. And they you know they're gonna know this is a pass. You, you can't have that. You know that they went through that a little bit with Eric Ebron, which is why he only played in certain sets, right? Because his what he never really averaged more than like fifty percent of the snaps, and everybody would wonder, well, why does this guy have thirteen touchdowns and he only plays half the snaps? Because he can't block. So, but that being said, I still think you can you can kind of accommodate a guy like that. You know, it's not like you're paying him millions and millions. You know, you're talking about a mid-round guy. If that's the best you can do, I think they can make it work. And they may end up with a guy who's not an accomplished blocker. Eh, not the end of the world. I mean, it will create some obstacle. But, I mean, really, that that third tight end, that third pass catching tight end under Frank Reich has never been a guy who blocks. It was Trey Burton last year, right? And two years before that, it was, it was Ebron. So they've made this work before. I, I think you can find that guy just because tight ends in college or coming out of college today. If there's one thing they do, it's they can split out wide and they can catch passes. That's what they do. Some better than others, but they can certainly do that. So I think they'll be okay. Uh, th- there will be some opportunities, but that third, not having that third round pick is definitely, I think, an issue because that's, that's, I, we talked about the second round. The, the third round is also sort of in that same range, right? Where they, you can get real good value. Uh, not having that third rounder is a problem. And that's why we know Chris Bauer is going to trade back, right? <laughs> Let's just yeah, be I mean,
2: and I, I think I, I mean, I did the research the other day and, He's traded 11 draft picks and pulled in 19 total picks. So, mm. I mean, the net gain is there. I mean, that's eight extra players. And, and these fifth and sixth round picks, like Ballard always says, they're, it's an extra swing, right? It's an extra it swing you can take on a guy. And maybe he'll end up being like Grover Stewart, this guy from Albany State who we didn't know a thing about, who just got a $30 million contract extension after having the best year of his career. So that's why the draft's fun. You don't know what's going to happen. But uh, I can't wait for the for the draft grades that come out Monday after the draft when we haven't seen these guys play an NFL snap yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll have all the answers on Monday <laughs> because that's what we do. Uh, so anyway, that's that's kind of, a, a I guess, a – representation of where we are so we're all over the place <laughs> it's basically right. what we were today which is okay again um i think it's all relevant in that it's all tied into scenarios possibilities and all of these topics are interrelated because you only have x number of picks and you've got to deal with all of these questions in the process of going through those picks so that's kind of what they're looking at. I mean, you know, just imagine what their draft meetings are like, right? I mean, they're probably a lot like us. They're all over the place because <laughs> <laughs> they got 160 players on the board, right? So, right. And that's uh, that's a low number compared to some other teams out there it that have well over 200. Yeah. They, they actually keep their board pretty tight. I think last year, I, re- I can't remember what the number was. I know either last year or the year before, I believe Chris Bowers said 165 was the number. So, there are, as you said, a lot of teams over two hundred. So I, I think that's good, though. That tells me they know what they like, they know what fits their team. Doesn't mean you're going to hit on those players, but but they have a profile. They're very specific on what they want, and what they look for, and you know they that's that you got to have at least you know your your characteristics and know what you're looking for. I think that that tells me your process is pretty good. So anyway, that's what we got. Um, Still a week and a half to go. <laughs> so we'll we will be back hear next week, from uh,
2: we will hear from the man himself, Chris Ballard, on Friday yes. of this week. Um, and that's always a particularly revealing conversation. He's not going to tell us who they're going to pick, but you know you get a good sense of what he thinks of the class in a couple different spots. So we will uh, we will definitely be back next week before the draft to kind of recap what Chris Ballard said and then kind of preview um, those three nights uh, of, of you know six picks and we'll see where they go.
1: Yeah, I think you know that's the fun part. I mean, they're <clears throat> excuse me, there's they're in a spot in the draft where I think the possibilities are endless. So even though we think we know what they need, uh, we I think we can all agree that they could do just about anything. So we'll see. Should be fun. Uh, so I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Lots of good stuff on the athletic. By the way, if you haven't subscribed, this is a great time to subscribe. We get a ton of subscribers in draft season. That's um, tells you about the appetite for the draft. So thank you guys who. Are already with us, and welcome to those of you who are new. Uh, we appreciate all of you. So, Stephen Holder again with uh, Zach Kiefer, and this is one percent better.